Hello and welcome to Camel Screen Guild Players from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Welcome, everybody. Tonight, your neighborhood good golf dealer joins the Gulf Oil Companies in presenting this new series of programs. Reviews, musical comedies, and dramatic shows. All the varied entertainment forms of Hollywood. So welcome all of you to the Motion Picture Star's own program. Welcome to the Gulf Screen Guild Show. With Paul Muni, Josephine Hutchinson, Lionel Atwill, Louis Alberni, Harry Bradley, Wheaton Chambers, Russell Gleason, George Hackathorn, George Irving, John Middlejohn, our musical director, Oscar Bradley, and Hollywood's favorite master of ceremonies, George Murphy. Ladies and gentlemen, that long list of names you've just heard represents one of the most unusual casts of film players ever to appear in a radio play. It would be virtually impossible to see a picture coming out of Hollywood without at least one of these characters appearing in it. The reason behind this flocking to the colors is the subject matter of the play itself. Radio, as far as we know, has never been the medium for a discussion so controversial a subject. But before the curtain rises, John Conti. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever driven over a backcountry dirt road that had crosswise bumps or ridges on the hills? Well, those bumps are called thank you maps. Now, thank you, ma'ams, were built partly to hold the wagon wheels so that the horses could rest when they got tired. Well, when you're on a modern concrete road driving up a steep hill and your motor begins to knock and ping, what your car needs is not a rest but something to stop that motor knock. And that's just what Gulf No-Knocks Ethel does. If you heard a knock in your motor halfway up a long, steep hill and if you stopped and got a tank full of Gulf No-Knocks gasoline that motor knock would disappear almost instantly. You'd get a quieter, smoother ride, and you'd probably save money on repair bills, too. Just try a full tank of Gulf No-Knocks Ethel tomorrow. The first steep hill will prove to you that Gulf No-Knocks is the knock-proof gasoline. Bridge of Mercy. This play was adapted by Norman Riley Rain from an original story by True Boardman, directed by George Cukor. Due to the delicate nature of the play's subject, I feel that I should say that neither the sponsor of this program nor the persons appearing in it wish to express any personal conviction in the controversy indicated. Among the first voices, you will recognize Lionel Atwell, John Miljohn, Paul Muni, and Josephine Hutchison. Lights. Music. Curtain. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I know you will judge this case sanely, rationally, and without sentimental bias. The state intends to present only facts, hard, unemotional facts which will prove beyond any reasonable doubt that on January the 11th of this year, 
The defendant, John Carsons, did willfully and with cold, planned premeditation take the life of Mary Carsons, his wife. The defense will work upon your pity and your emotions. But you intelligent men and women will not allow your judgment to Derwent, how long have you known the defendant, John Carson? Oh, five or six years. We were both bookkeepers in Greenleaf and Sons. We were pals before he got married. You mean his marriage made a difference? In what way? What? I don't know. He, he got kind of quiet and quit going out nights with the old crowd. Then his wife caused that change. And Carson's resented it? I object, Your Honor. That is a leading question. Objection sustained. The prosecution will rephrase the question. Mr. Derwent... Suppose you tell us in your own way something of the change his marriage made in John Carson's. Well, I remember the first night I went there after John got married, just as I was leaving. It was nice having you, George. Sorry you have to go so early. Oh, you know how it is. Thursday night's bowling night. Oh, John, why didn't you tell me, dear? Gosh, Thursday night. Never think of that anymore. The gang misses you, John. Don't have time for that now. You see, George, John's doing some special work at home. Don't and... you get enough of that in the office? It's not exactly work, George. It's, well, it's kind of a hobby. You know, some fellas play golf and some tear cars apart and stick them together well, again. It isn't. And... It's much more than that. Well, it, it sounds kind of foolish, I guess, but... I'm taking a correspondence course. Oh, going highbrow on us, huh, Mary? <laughs> of course not. It's a home course in engineering. Engineering? Sure. You know, dams, power projects, bridges, a path to the moon and beyond. Just name your order. Won't that take a long time, John? Well, I can wait. <laughs> Nothing else to do except eat and sleep and work and monkey around with this. Well, I wish you luck with it. Good night, Mary. Night, John. Come again soon, won't you? You bet, Mary. Thanks. So long, George. I kind of wish you hadn't told him about that course, Mary. They'll never quit kidding me at the office. Oh, darling, I wish you weren't so self-conscious about things you feel. There's nothing wrong about ambition. That's what makes great men different from other men. Great men? <laughs> One bookkeeper telling another bookkeeper he's studying to build bridges. You will, too, someday. Build a bridge? Yes, Mary. I will. Someday. I'll build a bridge. A big bridge. A shortcut for people who... who work hard through the day and... for tired people. For people who... who want to do things and get places. You will. You will. I know it. And darling, that day, the first one to walk across will be you. Dr. Morton, you were Mary Carson's physician, were you not? I was. What has been the state of Mrs. Carson's health for the past two years? Very bad. Summer before last, she developed a form of malignant growth known as sarcoma. I operated, but the condition was already too far gone to be checked. In time, it was certain to reach her heart and cause death. The deceased suffered pain? Excruciating. Continuous. The last few months, I've been administering morphine. When you last saw the deceased alive, was there a possibility of her ultimate recovery? None whatever. It was only a question of time. How long a time? 
Well, that's impossible to say. It depended entirely upon the progress of the disease and the ability of the patient to withstand pain. You told her husband the defendant this? I did. What did he say? Well, he's rather a reserved By man. reserved, would you mean indifferent? Calloused? Your Honor, I object. The prosecution... Objection sustained. Proceed, Doctor. Well, as I left his wife's room, he came to meet me. any hope? I'm sorry. There is none. But surely there must be something you can do. Another operation, a specialist? I'm afraid there's nothing anyone can do. But, doctor, the, the pain, she can't stand it anymore. I'm leaving you a prescription for morphine to be given as directed. She has enough by her bedside for today and tonight. That doesn't seem to help anymore, doctor. It did at first, but isn't there anything else? Unfortunately, No. We can't do anything more to help her, then. We can only wait for the end. The end? How long? It's hard to tell. A week or a month? She might live indefinitely. Indefinitely? This pain, indefinitely. Tortured, indefinitely. Doctor! I'll stop by in a day or two. Sooner, if you need me. Goodbye, Mr. Carsons. I'm very sorry. Goodbye, Doctor. Has the... Has the doctor gone? Yes. He's gone. What did he say? Well, he, he said that in a little while now, the worst would be over and that... I know. That I'd... Have no more pain. Yes. Yes, that's right. He... Mary. Mary, this bottle is empty. What did you do with the more pink? Mary! I do. Your residence and occupation. St. Anne's Hospital. Ambulance surgeon. Take the stand, please. Dr. Baker, you made an emergency call at the Carson's residence on the afternoon of January the 9th. I did. What did you find on your arrival? Mrs. Carson's was in a coma from an overdose of morphine. An attempted suicide? That's what I reported. I see, I see. Was Mr. Carson to the house when you arrived? Yes, sir. What was his condition? I mean, uh, did he seem worried? Well, I, I couldn't say. You see, I had my patient to attend. And when you revived Mrs. Carson's, did he seem grateful? Why, yes, I suppose uh, that is... Well, I don't remember. When you left, was the defendant still there? Yes, in Who his else? wife's room. Who else was in that room when you left? No one but Mr. Carson's. I went into the next room to make out my report. When I left the house, Mr. and Mrs. Carson's were there. you let them bring me back? I was a coward. I'm such a bird. A bird? It's true. But when you're with me, I don't feel so frightened. With only this... Oh. This pain. John. What, Mary? 
What did Dr. Morton say? How long, I mean? Now, don't worry about that, dear. Just just think about getting well again. John, how long? I've got to know. A week? A month? Even... How long is that? John, you said someday when you built your bridge, I'd be the first to cross. Remember? Yes. I remember. I need that bridge. Now. Will you build it for me? Build you a... Mary, you don't mean... I go across so gladly. Well, you don't know what you're asking of me. I do know. Please, dear. I... I'll wait for you. Just on the other side. You're talking nonsense, darling. Why, doctors aren't infallible. Lift up your head. Look at me. Now smile. Hmm. Not a very wide one. Why, you live to dance a jig at my wake. And Dr. Morton's, too. Why, you've got years ahead of you. Morphine. If you gave me more. Just, just half a grain more. It's so quick and, and so easy. Just like falling asleep. It isn't wrong. It, it can't be. John. Please don't make me wait too long. Mary, Mary, forget all this crazy, morbid thing. Why, this... Oh. Yeah. You're right. We can't wait too long. Your name is Alice Smith? Yes, sir. You're employed by Greenleaf and Son where Don Carson's worked as a bookkeeper? Yes, sir. On the afternoon of January the 11th, you and Carson were working on the accounts. Yes, sir, until three o'clock. Then what happened? Well, you see, we were working together and he seemed worried and upset. I was calling the figures and he was punching them on the... Eighteen. Eighteen. Forty-six. Forty-six. Build a bridge. Ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. Put me across. Seventeen. Seventeen. Build a bridge. Thirty-two. Thirty-bridge. I said thirty-two. Thirty-two. A week or a month indefinitely. It's torture. I can't bear it, John. Twenty-eight. Bridge eight. I called twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. No hope. Morphine. Thirty-three. Grain Street. I called thirty-three. Grain Street. Not too long, John. Not too long. 402. I am a barber. Thank you. It is no trouble. Thank you. Mr. Romano. Mr. Romano, your place is directly across the street from Kane's Drugstore, I believe. Sure. Were you in your shop on the afternoon of January the 11th? Sure. What were you doing at approximately 3.30? Excuse me, please, mister. I don't get that approx, approx, approx. At about 3.30, then. 
What were you doing? I seated the barber chair. It is a nice and comfortable. No doubt, no doubt. And as you were there, did you see Mr. Carson's defendant come down the steps on the elevated and walk towards Kane's drugstore? Sure, I saw him. Did he go directly into the store? No, he walked by it two or three times. Uh-huh, as though trying to make up his mind about something. How I know how he walks? No, you wouldn't. But eventually, he did go into the drugstore. Sure, he walked by two or three times, and then he go inside. Just like any... Hello there, Mr. Carson. Hello, Kane. Let me have a pack of cigarettes, will you? You bet. There you are. Say, so you feeling all right? You look kind of... I'm all right. I feel fine. Look, I'd, I'd better have some toothpaste, and I'd like to, you to fill this prescription of Dr. Morton's. Sure thing. Mmm, morphine, eh? Your wife no better? No, no better. Say, this is kind of a large amount, isn't it? Dr. Morton don't usually well, Dr. prescribe... Dr. Morton's going away for a day or so, and she needs it in, in increasing doses. You see, it, it says to be taken as ordered. Sure, sure. I just wanted to be sure the doctor hadn't made a mistake. We can't be too careful. foolish. Try to follow. No, I won't do anything foolish. You must promise. I promise. Now. Kiss me, John. You're, you're not frightened, darling. No. John. What's it like out there? Will it be cold? No, dear. It's warm. And peace. No more pain. Just sleep. Sleep. I want to hear your voice follow me all the way across. Such a long bridge, dearest. So long. The mist. It's rising. It's cold. John. 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 Where are you? Here, Mary. Holding your hand. Don't be afraid. That's it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid.
Mary Parsons might have lived for some time still. The defense claims she wished, against all human instinct, to die. But we have proven that the defendant did lie to the druggist about Mr. Dr. Morton having left the city and did forge a deadly prescription, raising the amount of morphine prescribed by said Dr. Morton. Ladies and gentlemen, this man murdered his sick and helpless wife by administering to her a lethal dose of morphine. Consider these truths. Mary Carson was so hopelessly ill, so racked with insufferable pain, that she even attempted suicide. And if, if I say, John Carson's disloyal and compassionate husband did help this poor tortured soul to that long sleep she so desperately desired, then it is not you, but a higher... Jury, have you reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. Carsons. Hand it to the clerk of the court, please. Carsons, you're a free man, I can tell by their faces. We, the jury, find the defendant, John Carsons, not... No! No, you can't free me! I'm guilty! I did murder my wife! Mr. Carsons, do you know what you're saying? Of course I know I say I killed my wife. John, stop it, you fool, don't you realize? Let him talk! Yes, let me talk! Let me tell you what it means to be tied hand and foot week after week, month after month, to a dying woman. Long, dull days in a sickly house, sleepless nights, incessant care of a helpless burden that stands on a threshold of death and refuses to cross. Refuses! Till you eat your soul away, hunting for a means to free yourself. Suicide. It wasn't suicide, it was murder. I tried it once and failed because the ambulance got there too soon. The second time, I did not fail. That's the truth, gentlemen. I gave her the morphine, a fatal dose, deliberately. And it killed her. I killed her. X3, X3, Carson's dies tonight. X3, read all about it. Carson's ghost to chair tonight. X3, X3, wife's... Time, my son. Yes. I'm ready. Gordon. Yes, John. Thanks for everything. You did your best. You wouldn't let me do my best. Our Father, who art in heaven. I can't understand it, John. Why did you throw your life away like that? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. At least the world would have thought better of you. Yes. Is that important? Thy no. will be done. Honor. Perhaps even now I could. No. As it is in heaven. But why? Why? You must have had a reason. Yes. I had a reason. I had to make sure. Very sure. That you would die? Give us this day our daily bread. Already, Warden. Said it, John. You won't say anything more? Only goodbye. 
And forgive us our trespasses. You being a burden. Forgive me. It was it was something stronger than I. It was my voice, John. Don't you see, darling? You had to die to be punished on earth. Yes. Against us. Yes. I know now. Others seeing me go free might kill through hate and hide. Behind the cloak of mercy. And lead us not into temptation. But why can't I see you now? You said you'd wait for me. I am waiting, dear. I can go no farther now. Nor you. It's our punishment. Punishment? Still? How long? How long, Mary? Perhaps... Until we've learned that pain and suffering must be borne. As a, a cross is borne to the appointed place. But deliver us from evil. I'll be waiting for you, darling, at the end of the bridge. For thine is the kingdom. And the power. And the glory. Forever and ever. Amen. the Gulf Oil Companies and the members of the Screen Guilds, I want to thank Paul Muni, Josephine Hutchison, Lionel Atwell, Louis Alberni, Harry Bradley, Wheaton Chambers, Russell Gleason, George Hackathorne, George Irving, and John Miljohn for one of the best performances in our series of Screen Guild shows. For just a moment, Paul Muni will return. But right now, a few words from John Conti. Thank you, George. Ladies and gentlemen, March, as you know, is one month that you simply cannot count on. But whether it acts like a lion or like a lamb, you can count on your neighborhood good golf dealer to help make March motoring safer and pleasanter. For instance, in March, your windshield is apt to get splattered with mud. So your good golf dealer is specially careful to clean it for you so that it doesn't catch the glare from the sun or from the other fellow's lights. And in March, the antifreeze or water in your radiator may boil away. So your golf man takes extra care to check your radiator. Yes, you get tops in service as well as in quality products where, when you stop where you see the sign of the Gulf Orange Disc. Your good Gulf dealer is an independent merchant, and he makes it his job to see that your car gets the best possible attention. It pays to make the good Gulf dealer your dealer. (laughs) 
Paul Muni, I know how much time and hard work you've given to this performance. And we are very, very grateful to you indeed. Thank you, George. And speaking for myself and the rest of tonight's cast, we'd like to thank the good Gulf dealers and the Gulf oil companies for presenting us with the opportunity of doing our part for such a worthy cause, the needs of the Motion Picture Elite Fund. Thank you, Paul Muni, and good night. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, the same time, the same station, the good Gulf dealer in your neighborhood joins the Gulf Oil Companies in welcoming you to another Gulf Screen Guild show with Carol Lombard, James Stewart, Spring Byington, and Edward Everett Horton in a comedy drama tailored by Tony, written by Connie Lee and directed by Dorothy Arzner. Until then, this is George Murphy saying thank you for the motion picture industry and the Gulf Oil Companies. And good night. We are grateful to 20th Century Fox for Lionel Atwill and Russell Gleason, to MGM for George Murphy, and to Warner Brothers for Paul Muni, soon to be seen in Juarez. John Conti speaking. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.